Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio, friend of the show, as well as the Aaron Torres podcast. And Aaron, as always, buddy, appreciate you joining us. How you doing on this hot afternoon in the middle of August? Uh, I'm good. It's not as hot where I am. I mean, we survived a hurricane and an earthquake yesterday. No big deal. That's just what we do out here. Um, the weather's actually breaking nice out here. It, feel, it feels like football weather. It's like warm, but not oppressive. And uh, I know you just said it, John. I can't believe that we're already here. Uh, I think because of that, like, two weeks of realignment and expansion and contraction craziness that kind of stuck up on us. But I'm good. I hope you guys are good, and I hope all Razorback Nation is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're definitely good. Aaron, and also, um, you know, the hurricane was a rarity in itself, but then uh, there were tornadoes also that you were having to deal with? Well, I missed the tornado, but there was that, there was a hurricane. I mean, the wet, the winds were strong. I mean, it, I, you know, I'm from Connecticut. I'm from the East Coast, so I, I've survived a hurricane or two in my day. This wasn't, you know, extreme by any stretch, but there was an earthquake right in the middle. So, um, so it was a crazy day yesterday. It was a crazy day, but you know, I can't speak for everybody, but you know, the people closest to me, everybody's okay. You know, no major property damage, nothing like that. Uh, but it was pretty surreal. I was actually supposed to travel yesterday and you know, you think late October, you know, late, whatever it is, August, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, and there was a freaking hurricane in Southern California for the first time in a hundred years. So, um, whatever, it's all good. I survived. Every, you know, like I said, everybody that, that I'm closest with as well. I don't want to speak for others, uh, but it was it was definitely a crazy day. It was definitely a hunker down, allowed me to get some stuff done kind of day. And uh, yeah, it was a surreal day, but everything's good over here. Yeah, it was weird seeing Dodger Stadium surrounded by water like that. That was a crazy scene and a crazy picture. But glad to know that everything's okay with you, Aaron. And you know, knowing that uh, we got college football coming up. Uh, this week, too, you know, we were kind of discussing it's week zero because it's not a full week of college football. But still, uh, yeah, you have a lot of teams of interest that uh, are going to be at least checking out this week. But you got USC going up against San Jose State. And then uh, you have the, you know, the mighty Hawaii uh, Warriors coming into to Vanderbilt and to Nashville. So even though there may not be the marquee matchups of week zero, there's still some plenty of good stuff, especially some of these West Coast teams to be watching for college football. Yeah, and I think, you know, the big one that you didn't mention, John, Notre Dame-Navy, and I'll say, like, you know, Notre Dame, do they move the needle even now like they did three or four years ago under Brian? No, but I'll tell you, you know, the kid Sam Hartman that they got a quarterback, uh, I forget the number, 75, 76, something like that, touchdown passes over the last two years at Wake Forest. And so, you know, two things is one, and, and I know the three of us have talked about this a lot in basketball, but you have a lot of these older guys that have the opportunity to come back to one more year of college, uh, decide that, hey, let me try something different, let me go somewhere different. I think in the case of Sam Hartman, played for an ACC title a few years ago and felt like, hey, let, let, let me try this at the highest level of competition. But from Notre Dame's perspective, they really it's weird because you think of Notre Dame as, as kind of a program that should be able to recruit elite quarterbacks, and they really haven't had – really good quarterback play in a long time that I can remember. I mean, Ian Book was solid. There's a couple other guys that were solid, but I don't know about a game changer at that position. So that's, to me, probably the most intriguing storyline of Week Zero. As you said, Caleb Williams and that Heisman Trophy, uh, they're on debut not far from where I live. 
Unfortunately, it's on the Pac-12 network, uh, so I don't know how many people will actually be able to see it. But I, I love Week Zero. I think it's always a good kind of dip your toe in the water for what's to come in Week One. And so I'm really excited for Saturday. And then, obviously, once we get through Week Zero, I mean, it's full speed ahead with that first Thursday night a few weeks from now. Yeah, for now, just kind of getting a taste of it. Is there a game on the schedule that you see that could be maybe a sneaky competitive game? Because I'm looking at Ohio and San Diego State. Don't you know you're closer to it as far as San Diego State knowing what they look like? But uh, it seems like that could be a pretty sneaky good game for this first week. Yeah, I, I think that's one. I'll say this: is I don't know if it's competitive, guys. Vanderbilt's not terrible. Like, like, and and I know again, does it move the needle? Does it not? I don't know. They won, I think, three SEC games last year. Like, they beat Florida last year. Kentucky, they beat Kentucky, um, and the great Will Levis, the the mighty Will Levis. So, I think Vanderbilt's kind of interesting because they actually return a lot from a team that almost made a bowl game. So, as far as a competition is concerned, Joe, I I don't know that anything stands out as like must watch, whatever, but. Even those Power 5 teams that a Vanderbilt normally wouldn't be front and center. Um, Notre Dame-Navy, I think, is kind of a, a cool historic rival, but on a big Saturday, is that a game that we're watching over the big SEC and Big Ten games and whatever? So I'm just excited to see a couple of these teams for the first time and, and really just allow us to kind of get a good look at some of these teams. And then obviously, as I said a minute ago, it all, it all really kind of ramps up that following Thursday. So speaking about USC, Aaron, you know, it doesn't happen too often, but when we see a Heisman Trophy winner return for another season in college football, and that case of overseeing from Caleb Williams, the question always gets thrown around of, oh, can they be the first repeat Heisman Trophy winner uh, in 30, 40 years, however long it's been? And when you see Caleb Williams, you see what he's got, you see the situation he's in with USC, I feel like there's a great chance he could do it again Never really know, but what do you make of the chances of him being able to repeat as a Heisman Trophy winner this season? Yeah, John, I think it's a great point, and, and it was funny. I mean, even watching the Manziel documentary over the last week or so, I'm sure you guys talked about it. When a guy wins a Heisman, there's always a lot of distractions, and it's not just Johnny Manziel. It was, um, you know, whoever, Jameis Winston. If you remember that offseason, it was the crab legs. It was one thing after another, and so – Caleb Williams, I think he does, just from a distance, I, I know a lot of people at USC, I obviously don't know Caleb Williams on any personal level, but he feels like a kind of kid that really does a good job of keeping the main thing the main thing. Now, you know, does he show up courtside at a game here or there? You know, everybody's allowed to, to be outside of the football facility, you know, here and there, but he seems like a kid that really has a level head and again, keeps the main thing the main thing, keeps the focus on football, doesn't have too many interests outside of football. And on top of that, you have obviously the coach to do it. You're certainly going to have the high-profile games. The back half of their schedule is loaded with at Oregon, at Notre Dame. I think uh, Utah at home, I think, is in that stretch as well. So high-profile games, the right kid, the right coach, and Guys, it goes without saying, like, it, part of the reason Caleb Williams won the Heisman last year, not only was he awesome, his team needed him to be awesome every single game. And I don't know that that defense is going to be that much better where if Caleb Williams takes a step back, like, like for them to repeat an 11-1 regular season and be in contention and maybe go to the playoffs, they'll probably need him to be very good again just because I think the defense will be improved, but will it be improved enough? So, 
I'm with you, John. I, I, sometimes when these guys come back, they get almost like, quote-unquote, too famous or there's too much around them or too, there's real nonsense in the offseason, like I said, with Jameis Williams. It seems like this kid has done a great job of kind of staying level-headed after the success that he had last year. The one thing that Caleb Williams will have in his favor, you know, you mentioned the defense may not be that much better, but they are going to be – they should be improved slightly. But uh, the Lincoln-Riley offense, we know that that's set yeah. up for – the quarterback to have a lot of success and they are replacing some pieces which all teams are jordan addison one of the best receivers in the country but we know that usc is loaded with offensive talent but that offensive scheme and system is something that'll work to his advantage zero doubt and the, i think the more interesting kind of bigger picture conversation and this is something i've been saying for six eight weeks now is especially in the post you know pac-12 breakup what kind of sucks is that I, I, I truly believe this is the best the Pac-12 has been in, across the board that I can remember, and I, and I think there are five or six really good teams in this league. I mean, Washington quietly won 11 games last year. Oregon won 10 games. Bo Nix finally seemed to find kind of a landing spot that made sense for him and, and really played very well. Oregon won 10 games. Oregon State won 10 games. Colorado is really interesting. Um, I also think, by the way, that's what's going to make it tough for USC to kind of run the table and really put themselves in position to make the college football playoff. I think there's a lot of really good teams in that league. So, um, again, it's, you know, RIP to the Pac-12. It's kind of sad that the way things went down. But this last year, there's going to be some really good football on on everybody's TV late at night, uh, uh, late, late into the season. So, Aaron, we mentioned about the, the possibility of Caleb Williams being a back-to-back -back Heisman winner for the first time in a long time. Let's talk about Georgia and being a, how he's having a chance to be the first three-time winner, or at least a three-peat winner, here since, what was it, Minnesota in the 30s or whenever it was. Yeah. And it's kind of like when I started thinking about it, I'm like, I think as, as crazy as it is, I would put money on Georgia winning three straight than I would on Caleb Williams. And not only would I say that, but I'm like, I don't see anybody out there that I feel like can beat Georgia, especially if they make it to a national championship game right now. That's the big thing is, like, if they get in that four-team playoff, it's like, you know, I mean, you know, whatever team, if the Big 12 champ is, let's just use Texas hypothetically, and I don't think Texas, I think Texas is overrated again, bluntly, but, like, is Texas going to be battle-tested enough to, to beat Georgia? I don't know, like, Clemson, I was looking at Clemson's schedule. They they play two marquee games. They play Notre Dame and they play Florida State both at home. Like, are they going to be battle-tested enough? So, to answer your question, John, I actually agree. Now, this is college football. Weird stuff happens. I do think it's really hard to keep a group motivated for three straight years. I mean, most of these guys really haven't experienced failure at any high degree at Georgia as college football players. So, that's the tough part. It's kind of internally – and that's part of it. And then the other part of it is they're the best team, but also, and it's not a big secret, everybody's discussed it for the last couple months, but the schedule is just very, very, very advantageous. Yeah, you have to go to Tennessee late in the year, but you get Ole Miss at home and Auburn on the road. Those are your cross-division games. I think both those teams will be fine, but they're nowhere near the caliber of Georgia. Kentucky, I think, will be better, but they're nowhere near the caliber of Georgia. So, that's the big thing is they're talented. They're well-coached. You know, I'll be honest, guys. I was around them last year for the national championship game. I was so impressed how they, they kind of compartmentalized things and 
um, whatever. Like I, they're just a really impressive group, and I know they've had some off the off the field issues, but on the field, they're just a really impressive group. And so I bring it up to say, like, I kind of agree with you, John. As it sounds crazy, and obviously it feels like college football is getting to a place where there's a little bit more balance. SEC is probably not as top heavy with one two as it's been in the past. Pac-12 will be improved. Texas has improved. Uh, Florida State's improved. But at the end of the day, it's going to be really hard to beat Georgia. Like I said, if they get in with the experience that they've had, unless it's in Alabama or Ohio State or somebody with comparable talent, I just can't see them losing once they actually get in. And, again, what is the pathway to them not getting in is the bigger question, and that's really hard to find two losses on that schedule. At this point, you're taking Georgia or the field, and uh, who's the biggest competition for them? I take the field. Just, I mean, come on, it's one team, um, I, you know. But I think, yeah, listen, I think it's a fair question. I think it's a fair question, Joe. I would take the field. I would say a couple things stand out. One, I'm still not selling on Alabama. I get that the quarterback has to get figured out. I, I do think Nick Saban is recommitting to power football, to not being so quarterback centric because. Last year, they just they relied so heavily on Bryce Young, and it wasn't just that they lost two games, but Bryce Young was great in those two games, and it was because the defense couldn't get off the field that that was the issue. Then, oh, by the way, Bryce Young had to save another game or two. So I think Alabama's there. I'll be honest, guys, maybe I get clowned for saying this in the long term. I really do like Michigan, though, man, because like everyone is so, oh, Michigan, they'll make it to the playoff, but they haven't won it. It's like, if you go back and look at that TCU game, I'm not making excuses. I'm just stating facts. They outgained TCU by over 100 yards. Uh, J.J. McCarthy threw two pick sixes in that game, um, and they still almost won. Like, he threw, let me just – the quarterback threw two pick sixes in that game. They fumbled on the goal line. There was a call overturned. You go back to that game, they should have won that game. I don't think they were beating Georgia last year, but with McCarthy back, Basically, the whole skill position group is back. The defense has NFL guys all over. And I think that's the big thing, right, is what I just said, is you got to have those NFL bodies. And people are saying that Michigan maybe has more guys that will be drafted in the next NFL draft. Now, Georgia across the board has more guys. Alabama probably too. But Michigan has NFL bodies. So I would say Alabama or Michigan. I know that's not a very, like, hot, uh, you know, strong opinion that's outside the norm. I think those teams were two and three in the AP poll. But those are probably the teams that probably come to mind as best suited to beat Georgia. All right, real quick before I let you get out of here, Aaron, because I know you got to run. You mentioned the Johnny Manziel documentary. I wanted your thoughts on it real quick, just uh, it's your overview of it. I thought it was really good, but I wanted it to be almost longer, wanted to get more information. Yeah. But uh, pretty fascinating. I can't wait for the uh, Florida Gator one to come out too. Absolutely. No, I, I agree with everything you said, John. I, I did think it felt like they kind of glossed over the NFL portion of things. Like, you know, people would ask, the day or two after you see it, how much did they talk about the NFL stuff? And it felt like they crammed a lot of really important stuff into, what, 10, 12, 15 minutes at the end. But I guess what I would say is it did change my perspective on Manziel a little bit. I I think, guys, it struck me is that a couple things. One, first of all, the NCAA stuff, I'm usually – I'm not as anti-NCAA as everybody else, but the way that they framed it did make sense where Johnny Manziel – could get frustrated of, you know, Kevin Sumlin got a big raise out of it. Cliff Kingsbury got a job out of it. The school got hundreds of millions of dollars. Forgive Johnny Manziel for going to get some cash on his own. So that, but also, I don't think I realized until I rewatched it, 
how quick the rise was. I mean, they did a good job of really painting, hey, a week or two before the season, this kid gets arrested, and on the public, uh, on the local news, uh, they don't even know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> and literally three months later, he beats Alabama, and he's the biggest star in college football. And so, you know, I, I think it made it me a little bit more sympathetic to Manziel. I give him credit for telling his story in totality. He didn't dodge questions. He didn't deny stuff. He talked about drug use. He talked about substance abuse. I give him credit for the transparency. I actually really, really, really enjoyed it, John, as well. Excited for the Gators documentary as well. But I, I really did like that Johnny Manziel documentary. Yeah, hopefully the Gators uh, end up covering a lot more than what the Manziel part did, and hopefully it's longer because so. yeah, because it has to be longer than an hour and ten minutes. Uh, it just has to be because there's so much to unfold there. But uh, either way, it's going to be enjoyable. But Aaron, hey man, as always, we appreciate you joining us. Great stuff. Enjoy the week, and glad you uh, survived all the crazy weather out there, man. I know we'll be catching up with you later down the road. Yes, sir. Whenever you guys need me, happy to join. Thank you, and we'll talk soon, fellas. Thank you.